Hello and welcome to the Gotham TV podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. And I'm one of your unfamiliar hosts, John, and that's only because I'm full of cold today, so I might sound a bit nasally. Poor John. Yeah, yeah poor me. <laughs> uh, just wanted to welcome you guys to our third episode of our podcast, my favorite named episode so far. It's Gotham Year Zero, Episode 3, Batman Year One. So uh, lots of numbers in there. What's like. that again? Gotham. Episode 3, damn it. I knew I couldn't get it twice in a row. <laughs> <laughs> what we're going to be talking about today is uh, is obviously our news. There's been lots uh, coming up over the last couple of weeks um, since the last podcast. We're then going to be talking about a full review of the animated movie Batman Year Zero. In that, we're going to be looking at the cast and characters. We're going to do a background and synopsis, and then we'll kind of have our general thoughts about the story, and then we'll kind of give it a rating and say whether we recommend it or not. And then we're going to just have a look and see whether some of this material from the Batman Year One animated movie could be used as reference material and source material for the TV show Gotham. Yeah, how we think we're going to play into the TV show, exactly. possibly. Yeah, yeah. But the one thing we have to kind of just say up front and now is there will be spoilers, so prepare yourself for that if you uh, want to listen to us or uh, read the graphic novel first or watch the movie first and then come back and listen to us and see if you uh, agree with us or not. In relation to whether there's any spoilers on our interpretation of the movie with regards to the source for Gotham TV, we will know in time. Absolutely. And now on to the news. Now for a City Watch news brief here on GCN. Okay, we've got lots of news this week. For, firstly, for us, it's kind of some big news this week. We are now available on uh, on iTunes, which uh, which is obviously great for us. Uh, we're available on Stitcher. Um, for those of you who have Android devices or use Stitcher for your podcast tool. Uh, we've also got our RSS feed, which you can see through our website and get on pretty much any Android podcast catcher, I believe is the, is the phrase that they're called. So you can pretty much get us get us everywhere now, which is awesome. Just particularly want to give a, a shout out to Franklin Mia, who's given us our first review on, on iTunes. Yeah, thank you, Franklin. Uh, it'd be great if great for any of our listeners to give us a review on iTunes. It helps other people find us, um, uh, particularly a positive review. If you want to leave a negative review, uh, email us. <laughs> Don't leave it up on iTunes. <laughs> but no, obviously we want to, want to have all your feedback and it's great to Great to see uh, see people out there enjoying us so far. Uh, John, next bit of news? Yeah, this week there was a little Clash of the Titans kind of action going on mm. with the date announced for the Batman Superman movie or mm-hmm. the Batman versus Superman movie. And mm-hmm. um, there was a bit of confrontation between DC and Marvel here because the announcement was for the same day. Mark down the 6th of May 2016 in your diaries when Batman Superman will be released. But it's going to have a big clash in the third Captain America Marvel film. Mm. And so there was a little bit of action going on at a news conference there for the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. The only thing I can really say on this is that I love DC uh, particularly Batman and Gotham. I also love Marvel as well, in particular Doctor Strange. And as the Joker said, why can't these guys just learn to get along? <laughs> yeah, I suppose what's what's interesting about the story really is that you know Captain America is is only out in cinemas and it's in Ireland this week. It's coming out in America in a couple of weeks' time. 
uh, great buzz out there at the moment. So um, so it's quite interesting. They they up until last week the movie itself hadn't been announced as being on the sixth of May, twenty sixteen. But Marvel had res- had reserved the date about three or four months ago, saying an unannounced yeah. project was going to be coming, and that date. And then DC decided to move up the Batman Superman film starring Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck. They've decided to move that to the same date. That's great news for people that like comic books. Uh, there's two films you can watch it all for the week leading up to all the Marvel and DC stuff and then you've got two of your favourite movies probably in that year on the same day. Good things come in twos. Uh, absolutely. And let's see, let's just see how it goes I suppose but I think the uh, the, the piece from, from the press conference was uh, was Sam Jackson and uh, Anthony Mackie who plays the Falcon in uh, in Captain America, taking a bit of a bit of a swipe at DC's characters and DC's movie characters more so than anything else. Yeah, where they essentially said that they uh, they do love DC Comics because they've got great villains, but Marvel has great heroes, which is their little swipe. So yeah. maybe it should be DC Marvel, and then you've got great heroes and great villains on the same go. day. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and complex characters such as Batman. Yeah, exactly. Of course, we obviously love the heroes as well. So. Right, on to our next bit of news, I suppose. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons why we've been a bit delayed this week. We were intending to, to start recording last Friday, I think, uh, about four or five days ago. And at this stage, we've uh, we've started getting a lot of... A lot of, uh, a lot of official uh, photographs yeah, of official coming photos. through. These are being released, sort of a drip feed on their Tumblr feed. Um, and so we were treated to Donald Logue as Harvey Bullock, Cameron Bicondova as Selena Kyle, mm-hmm. as the young Catwoman, um, Sean Pertwee as Alfred Pennyworth, Mm-hmm. And then the latest one, which was yesterday on Tuesday, was Robin Lord Taylor as Oswald Cobblepot. Yeah, they're really giving us a good, uh, good kind of feel of what the show's style is and what the what the characters are, are kind of looking like. There's a really the, the first photograph that we got with Donald Logue, which you know, I love Donald Logue. I've, I've been a fan of his for years and just just uh, really interested in what he's what he's going to bring to the show. He's a, as as Harvey Bullock, but he looks like the the grizzled detective. Yeah, definitely. Know. And he's got the he's got the leather jacket. There's a there's a spotlight in the background across the the skyline. He's got his uh, GCPD badge on his hip, along with his holster's revolver. So he, he's looking pretty good. Yeah, he, he looks like a a weary sort of public servant. He's got the top button undone, the mm-hmm. ties down. He's like, want to get through the day, get my check, mm-hmm. go home, maybe make a few books on the side, possibly. <laughs> who possibly, knows? who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, then on Mon- on Monday, I think no, uh, it was the, Sunday. It was Sunday. Yeah. yeah. The, the the next photograph got released, which was Cameron Bickendova as Selena Kyle. So our baby cat woman, our, yeah. our cat baby, has been released. And whoever's putting these pictures up is playing with the skyline at the back. Two of the tops of the buildings substitute the cat ears mm-hmm. for Selena Kyle, but she's looking pretty good again. I mean, she's got a collar on, so maybe that's a reference to a kitty cat. She's in black she kind of looks like that jewel thief uh, from that that shot definitely yeah and I, I, she's definitely got that street urchin kind of vibe going on the uh the tights that are ripped the the hard edge to her again in leather you know always black leather for superheroes is always the uh, always the calling card really isn't it <laughs> exactly but yeah um and so then on monday we had the release of sean pertwee as alfred pennyworth you would immediately go that's a traditional butler or kind of image Mm. and that was something in our previous podcasts that we were kind of saying they maybe wouldn't necessarily go with that it would be it would kind of feed a bit from his 
ex-military past. Yeah. I think when we were chatting about it, you, you made a great point about this kind of look. Yeah, yeah and just like a, a immediately look. it looks slightly butlery in mm. that sense, but also then it looked like that Victorian kind of police detective look. Um, a little Sherlock Holmes. So, yeah, Sherlock Holmesy. Yeah. You know, but with obviously without the tall hat, and then all of a sudden it made me think of British uh, security service or secret service kind of personnel type of look, and that maybe that that hints to his ex-military past, and of course he's got a great expression on his face there, which just looks really resolute and determined. To me, I think we're still holding on to that prediction that maybe he's a bit more badass than the, the previous Alfred Pennyworths have been. A, but a great image, really, uh, really yeah, good. Absolutely, and I think, uh, yeah, I think he could be. He could be great, but he'd definitely have to change his outfit to be a, a badass Alfred, to be honest. <laughs> uh, and then last night, um, when we were going to record the last one, <laughs> we got our first our first proper villain from Gotham, which is Robin Lord Taylor as Oswald Cobblepot. And yeah, he looks uh, he looks creepy. He looks very he creepy. Looks creepy. He looks, looks great. Really good. For me, I really am looking forward to seeing how he explores this criminal from its early origins. I mm-hmm. mean, he's one of Batman's oldest foes, and I'm really interested to see how he plays it. I think the image doesn't really show much he's got his trademark bow tie going he's on like a mix of he's like a mix of two of the doctors he's got his bow tie and he's got his messy hair like uh, yeah Chris yeah Eccleston, and maybe sean pert we should have been doing that maybe you know? <laughs> maybe he's got a frilly ruff somewhere underneath but, uh, you know he's he's kind of got this sort of evil looking grin on his face mm. how this all plays out with him i'm really yeah. looking forward to that from from the show to to be honest again not nothing being done behind him maybe he's got an umbrella off off shot or something <laughs> <laughs> then we're kind of really excited to see what other official uh, pictures come out now for the rest of this week. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that one of the cool things that, that Gotham have been doing when they've been posting these photographs is giving us a little synopsis. We haven't. It's not something we haven't seen before, but giving us a little synopsis about each of the characters. You know, for Oswald, he's, he's the, the brains of a, a chess grandmaster and the morals of a jackal. So we know there's something odd about this cat, you know, about this guy. Um, it's in, it's interesting. Like it's really enjoyable. Looking forward to to seeing the next couple of photographs. You know, one of the things definitely that we, that we've noticed since these photographs are coming out, every outlet is is getting more and more interested in the show. Every every person I've seen comment on Twitter is getting more and more interested favorite post I saw today was uh, about Robin Lord Taylor and uh, when will he get sick of people talking about how much his nose looks like a penguin which is which I thought was quite funny yeah uh, and, and the other the, other and the zoo night. one yeah. as well yeah the, exactly. the zoo the zoo in, in Boston who decided to put up a photograph saying wow he does look like a penguin doesn't he which is just great fun but that's know? it as soon as you're associated with a, an animal whether it's a cat a penguin mm. you, you're gonna have people are gonna start to look into your features and go oh okay I can see a bit of a, a penguin here or a kitty cat or mm-hmm. or whatever it's great fun, though. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's great fun to have the speculation going on this early, and the excitement of people in the show seems to be already kind of building a bit. You know? Yeah, and I, I think overall, I mean, there's there's a dark element that runs through all these pictures. Mm. You know, the the city skyline in the back that you know it's cloudy, it's, it's punctuated by very harsh lights, it's dark. You know, the characters are in muted tones. Maybe in terms of the tone of the show, it's going to be sort of gritty, sort of seedy kind of look to the yeah. show, which we were kind of 
thinking it might be. Absolutely, and I think you know it's it's definitely set in present day. We know that, but there's definitely that style of of a boardwalk empire or or a, one of those kind of old gangster movies. You know, yeah, it's, very much that kind it's of style. really it's cool. the, the costumes certainly mm. kind of look really stylized. But you know, in terms of Alfred Oswald, kind of looks very classical dress, almost mm. you know the Depression era type of American look. Absolutely, so, and Harvey Bullock really does look like your proper private eye. He really looks like the yeah. old, yeah, the old the old style private eye. Loving it. Um, so these are being released about about 5 p.m. Irish time every day, um, roughly yeah. around that time, yeah. which is, uh, I think it's about 10 a.m. some of the U.S. states. Yeah. So, so depending it, on where you are. Yeah. So, yeah, it looks like they're waking up in the morning, clicking the button, sending it out there so all the press gets, uh, get the coverage of it all the day. So my, my feeling is we've got about three more left to go. Um, we've got, yeah. we're currently recording on Wednesday, so... We've got one coming in about the next hour. We've got another one coming tomorrow, and we've got another one Friday. So I've got I've got some guesses on who they're on who they're going to be and the order they're going to come in. Okay, so for for all of you at home, we have been having these predictions as to you know what order the remaining three will will come in. At the moment, we feel that there's going to be another three released, so we mm. feel that they're going to be Fish Mooney, Jim, and Bruce Wayne. Uh-huh. I think that Bruce Wayne will be today. On Wednesday, okay. it'll be Fish Mooney Thursday, and it'll be Jim Gordon as the the main guy on the Friday. You were going to go with... Yeah, no, I, I was thinking that it might be Jim Gordon today. They kind of got to get Jim Gordon <laughs> Jim Gordon out there. What? That's not no, news No, you see, I just know. He's, he's the man of the show. He is going to be on Friday. Definitely. Okay, all right. I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking... Best to last, right. maybe... Yeah, I'm... unless Will Smith is somehow pulling strings and he'll get, he'll get his. <laughs> Jada Pinkett Smith is the is the most Friday. well known yeah, actress yeah, of the maybe. lot, so she's probably. I'm I'm thinking she might be the last release. It also could be that she could have a different look for the show. It could be it could be something really different. Uh, we've seen some of the unofficial photographs that have been released, the set photographs that have been released of yeah. of Ben McKenzie as as Jim Gordon, and he doesn't look. You know, mad, crazy, different. You know, you're not expecting to have some kind of huge impact of that character. It's a possibility when you release a photograph of a 10-year-old as Bruce Wayne or Jada Pinkett Smith as Fish Mooney, a character we know nothing about and haven't seen anything of that you want to make the impact on the last couple of days of of doing this kind of broadcasting your your official pictures. But that's just a guess, you know, at this stage. Yeah, I mean, as well, just quickly, there were quite a lot of unofficial on-set photos released as well that were obviously shot during filming. Mm. I would say treat them with a bit of caution. There's some images with a newspaper where potentially there's a a bit of a spoilery headline. Mm. There's certainly a very upfront image of Bruce there. At the same time, though, there's some really cute images, I think, of the young Selena Kyle kind Mm -hmm. of... I think I said sliding down one of the New York fire escapes, the ones you have hanging off the buildings, but... I think she actually might just be walking or running down it. But anyway, sliding sounds better, I think. And it seems like she's got a carton of milk or cream tucked sort of in her jacket. And then there's also another image where she's got a little alley cat sort of by the bins sort of with a saucer. Mm -hmm. And, okay, they might be totally unconnected, but in my own head when I saw these, I was putting up this image of her sort of running down the down the fire escape to give the these alley cats a, a saucer of cream or something. Yeah. But I think yeah. it's a really neat way, if it's in the show at all, of just linking Selena Kyle 
to that history and mythos of Catwoman. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm making the assumption there's a lot, as I said, there was a lot of, um, or as John said, there was a lot of photographs released last week that were unofficial photographs of pretty much every character that we wanted to see, uh, all the main cast anyway. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a feeling that a lot more of the sets are going to get locked in, so we're not going to get a huge amount of photographs over the summertime. There's, there's just been a lot, a lot coming out last week, so it's quite, quite fun. Yeah. I just have one more, one okay. more quick kind of question. So, again, we've seen all what we thought was the main cast. We've done our, our cast episode already. There's a couple of other characters that have been kind of rumored. Moose is, yeah. ah, yes. A couple of the characters rumored. So, we've had... Poison Ivy is the one yeah. that seems pretty likely that, that there is going to be a young girl called Ivy. There's been mentions of it in uh, script release, which was uh, a leaked, yeah, a leaked release. Yeah, kind of script. There's been a casting rumor that's upon IMDb that someone has been cast in the part. Um, we're not so it's still to be that. confirmed, still really. to be confirmed. Yeah. But it is a possibility that we'll also have another young character pl- playing the part. So one of the things is what other villains or rogues would would you think might come up for the show you know yeah. would it be a young like joker they have, they have mentioned they have mentioned riddler they have mentioned okay. they have mentioned harvey dent not two-faced harvey dent and they've mentioned the joker which would be personally i think a very odd choice given the history of given the history of all the batman films and all the batman rogues gallery joker and batman go hand in hand how do you have a Joker without a Batman? He is the other side of Batman's of the coin, essentially, to Batman. So how do you have that a Joker without true, Batman? That is true, but what about the assertions in the original Batman uh, mm. with Michael Keaton? Where it could be that you had Jack Napier shooting the Waynes, uh, Martha and Thomas, mm. and that potentially he is the Joker. Yeah. From that traumatic incident that he is born, mm-hmm. okay, it's a long time to gestate and for him to finally don the the cowl and cape, yeah. but they're linked from that moment. Mm. If it wasn't for that, you have you wouldn't have Batman. Yeah, I'm, you see, I, I, so you never know. Yeah. I'm just saying you never know. Agree that, and that's that's a choice they'll go. They, they may go down. I'm, I'm I'm intrigued to see what they do if they do bring a Joker. <coughs> definitely, um, I but think I agree. That, will, that would definitely yeah. be a, a, a dancing on ice kind yeah. of I, choice I, to do. I agree um, to bring bring him in too early. I agree with you. Yeah. It's just like potentially it's, too early and a bit yeah. too. And despite how despite how amazing Jack Nicholson is and and Batman, I think he, you know totally overshadowed uh, Michael. Keaton, unfortunately, but um, but despite how amazing he was, the storyline of having him kill the parents and and be the Joker was it was a huge step, and a lot of fans weren't weren't happy with that. So I, I wonder if they tread that closely to that kind of storyline. But there you go. That was kind of you know I'm, I'm wondering. So if maybe give us your thoughts um, on who you think from the Batman gallery of villains, um, who you think might be within. The Gotham Show. Mm-hmm. Maybe it would be a someone from the Caribbean who's asthmatic, <laughs> in the form of a young Bane. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows? Excellent. All right, I think that's it for the news for this week. Yeah.
Okay, um, so everyone, we'll be talking about and discussing Batman Year One, the animated movie, which was done by DC. And the reason why we kind of chose to, to do this was because we had noted that Ben McKenzie, now cast in the role of Jim Gordon, had also been involved in the DC universe by playing uh, Batman and his alter ego, Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's the other way around, Bruce <laughs> Wayne and his alter ego, Batman. Yeah, a lot of discussion over the years of that. (laughs) Exactly. So we decided we would have a look at this uh, movie and give it a a review and discuss it through, but also then towards the end just see maybe how it could be referenced by the TV show, you know, maybe what it would borrow or honour or doff its cap to within the show. I think interestingly we talked about, we did talk about year one before, but interestingly this is really the first time that characters are seen as their younger selves or the starting out characters. Exactly. Um, And again, that's another link there, is that you have generally younger versions of these characters that we know. Essentially, um, as a synopsis for for the actual story, I mean, really we're talking about, and it's focused on two men, uh, one being Jim Gordon, who's being introduced to Gotham, he's coming from outside and seeing kind of just the level of corruption and realising that he must take a stand in his role as a detective within the Gotham Police Department. And then the other man being Bruce Wayne, who's being reintegrated back into Gotham after 12 years away and 18 years since his parents' death. And understanding how dangerous and corrupt the city is but knows that he must or he's resolved to take a stand and we then see that journey of these two men interacting together and becoming that relationship of them working to solve and combat crime within Gotham with a central focus of the corrupt Gotham City Police Department uh, and the links with the, the mobs and the... Yeah. And the gangsters, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think it's fair to say we've said it before, but just in case, if you want to go out and check out these, the movie's available pretty cheaply now. Uh, you can get it in a box set for about for €15. Euro. You can get the book. Again, it's available for digital download, or you can go and buy the book, and then you can come back to us if you, if you don't want to be spoiled. But from now on, we're going to be talking spoilers. So. One of the other things we also just want to mention is just the pedigree of the story of Batman Year One mm. and just the context of it. We have to doff our caps to Frank Miller, who Absolutely. who wrote the, the original graphic novels that were released in four parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have to doff our cap to the art done by David Mazzuchelli. Uh, he was quite a, a, a young guy, new to the field, but he had already built up a reputation. Frank Miller already had that reputation, and he yeah. was kind of brought on board because at the time, DC were looking at all the origin stories of their their heroes, Wonder Woman, Superman, and, and ultimately they came to the conclusion that for Batman... His story didn't require altering, but I think what Frank Miller, when he was asked to take on the role of writing about the origin that we know, it wasn't about changing it, but it was that it was to add additional depth to it or complexity or to broaden the context of 
Gotham in the whole DC universe. Exactly. Yeah, like we know so, we, we know Frank Miller from a, a lot of other examples of his work, like Sin City, Watchmen, Three Hundred. You know, he's now a he's now a director. Now done some films, yeah. but at the time he was very young in the field in America. He'd written a lot of a lot of stories in the UK, uh, but they were bringing him on board to essentially give his style and his stamp and his darkness to uh, to the work. And what we'll definitely talk about is the is some of the stuff that Frank Miller brought to this that other people could, wouldn't have brought. There's a lot of Frank Miller touches in here in some of the characters. This was his first one, and this is what he was asked to do with regards to looking at this DC property. Mm-hmm. It came from, I think, certainly his work on Ronan, but then he went on to do Dark Knight Returns, of mm-hmm. course, and the influence that that had as well. Yeah. Sort of, you know, year one, and in a sense, year 100, where, you know, <laughs> you have an older version of, of the Batman. And we might um, we may cover that in the future. They've been they've exactly. also done animated films of that, and, and uh, yeah, it's, rich. it's just some interesting stuff to cover. Yeah. yeah. So let's get into it. So uh, cast, I think, is the is the kind of the, the, the big one here. So this is probably a pretty all-star cast for an animated film from, from DC. We've mentioned Ben McKenzie. Um, I think probably the biggest standout name here is Brian Cranston. Yeah. From obviously everyone knows him from Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> Sorry, I mean Breaking Bad. Breaking, Breaking Bad. Yeah. yeah, no. But both those shows, brilliant. Yeah, Malcolm in the Middle, Breaking Bad, certainly of, of recent fame. Mm-hmm. You know, who would have thought that he would go on to do Breaking Bad Absolutely. after um, after Malcolm in the Middle? But brilliant. And a really good Jim Gordon through this. I have, this to, movie. I have to say, yeah, this, this um, we'll we'll talk about it, but yeah, yeah, it, it, it's one of the best. Of. But then and then we've got uh, Eliza Dushku, who's one of my favorites. Who's a former former cast member of Buffy and Angel. Yeah, um, is so. is a Joss Whedon go to? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and she's the and Selena Kyle and Catwoman. Yep. And then you have Katie Sackoff mm-hmm. as Sarah Essen within the movie and. Obviously, Katie Sackhoff is Starbuck from the the new version of Battlestar Galactica, yeah. who was brilliant in that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, some remember, really you, good you remember how actors much, being involved in, in this animated movie. Absolutely, and you remember how much uh, how much backlash you took at the beginning of that show to playing a, a former male part and taking on the role. And exactly. it's uh, yeah, I love, love Katie Sackhoff and just is delighted to have her on board in this kind of. Thing. And interestingly, as well, I think we should mention at this stage is that. Sarah Essen was invented by Frank Miller. Mm. This is her first outing ever. That's right. And it's a new character. And now she's going to appear in Gotham, yeah. Yeah, yeah. now she's going to appear in Gotham. And then we have the the two other main characters and cast of note are Alex Rocco, who plays Carmine Falcone. And he was in The Godfather, I think, as Mo Green. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then John, John Polito, yeah, yeah, who, as Commissioner Logue. Yeah, and if you don't know who John Polito is, look him up on IMDb. You've seen his face everywhere as a detective. As he's been the the undercover detective in uh, the Big Lebowski is my uh, probably my go to for him. Uh, he was also in uh, another couple of Coen Brothers uh, films. Um, yeah, just uh, just a, a, one of those kind of stellar casts that you kind of go, how did they get these guys on board? But I think it's the quality of the material, the um, the quality of the storyline brought all these people on board too. Uh, to do it so really good cast and then again obviously there's a whole host of other casts involved there such as jeff bennett who's voicing alfred pennyworth but really so i suppose let's get in let's get into it you know i suppose this is as john said this is very much the story of the two main characters of bruce and jim in their first year of active service and but we do also get the creation of catwoman 
and the introduction of Sarah Essen. So there's you know a lot yeah. of introductions here, and that's you know that's what Gotham's going to struggle. With. And you and you have this idea of the mob. It's not about the costumed villains. Mm-hmm. It's about the mob. It, it, it's very much what Nolan was looking at, certainly initially, of being the base of this villainy is mobsters and general sort of criminal bosses. Absolutely. Definitely runs through it. I mean, you immediately on the, the first few opening slides of, of this movie, you get that hint that Gotham City is not some kind of paradise. Absolutely. Bruce Wayne is flying in on a plane and he says, from here you don't see the, the danger that is lurking on the streets below. Mm-hmm. And you get that hint, you get the hint that Gotham is an aggressive place to live, that sense that it's aggressive. And you get that from Bruce Wayne arriving by plane and you get that by, from Jim Gordon arriving on a train. Uh, yeah, and Jim is, you know, makes the comment that this is all he deserves right now. This is his time in hell. So you know Gotham is not a place that he wants to be. So why is Jim in Gotham, I suppose, is one of the questions. Well, he, he's coming from Chicago, mm-hmm. from a previous police job. It's not like he's new to the police. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he took down and implicated, and we don't know what for or why, but he essentially snitched up uh, another police officer, yeah. another cop. Yeah. And that's why he's been he's been transferred in. Mm-hmm. And and you get to hear about this sort of when he's introduced to Commissioner Loeb. Mm-hmm. And Commissioner Loeb is welcome, welcoming him to the police department, essentially is saying the thing that you did right was that you didn't allow the media to get involved. Absolutely. You kept it quiet. In all of this, you kind of get a, a fairly uneasy sense of who the commissioner is mm-hmm. and, and what he what he's about. It, it's... He he kind of comes out with this really interesting phrase that the last thing on, on my mind is your honesty. The last thing on my mind. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Really good uh, line. Yeah, and we're also introduced to Detective Flass. Uh, he he introduced Jim to the city. He's uh, the um, the kind of guide for, for Jim and the ways of Gotham. Teaches him the rules of Gotham and what it's like. Ultimately, the only thing you can say about Detective Flass is he is a a, a bully. He's... Corrupt, and one of the great lines that he he comes out with is, "Welcome to Gotham, Lieutenant. Don't worry, not as bad as it looks, especially if you're a cop." It's this sense of that we're a team. I slap your back, you slap mine, uh, and we'll all get along just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and a really interesting introduction to Flash after he's met Jim Gordon at the railway station. Not only does he just wipe out a um, Harry Krishna monk or something like mm-hmm. that. I mean, poor guy. They're in the car traveling, I think, to the Gotham Police Department. Yeah, it was, yeah. And a... he just stops. And I think you said it was like reminiscent of The Wire, almost. It, yeah, totally. Um, that the actual setting of the of the scene just makes, it reminds me of Bunker McNulty cruising the streets of of Baltimore, going to the kids and beating the crap out of them for their the drugs that maybe yeah. they may be selling on the side of the. And street. you have yeah. this great scene where Jim Gordon is just sizing up Flass and he's mm. saying, "Just watch, just wait, don't do anything yet, and um, you know, don't get yourself sort of back into trouble." And I don't know part of that anyway. In my mind, was does this mean he's kind of been planted there almost to investigate? any possible corruption. Yeah. It kind of hinted at that, but, I mean, I'm not entirely sure whether that's the case or not. He he just watches Flass doing his thing and Mm -hmm. says, just watch, wait, size him up, and figure him out before you start doing anything. That's a really, really good scene to to introduce Flass 
in but essentially he's a he's a bully yeah. who takes back Kansas. Um, yeah, really. ab- absolutely. Kind of interesting seeing seeing Jim's take on it as you say, you know, he's, he's watching the whole time but I don't, I don't know whether he's planned to think it's, I think it's very much that's just Jim Gordon. He's watching out for the corruption that's going on in the city. This is something that was taken into the Batman Begins world, the Batman uh, the Dark Knight world. It was taken and given as a storyline to to Harvey Dent. It's very much what Harvey Dent did with the police force was look at them, investigate the the bad guys that were within that police force to make it better and this is this is Jim's story within the year one. With Flass, he calls Jim Gordon Jimmy. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, don't worry about it, Jimmy. You know, and you can just see within the animation that this is really irritates yeah. the hell out of uh, Jim Gordon. And we don't really kind of we see Batman arriving at the airport, for example there's again further insinuation that Commissioner Loeb is not as honest um, up front as he should be because he's talking about the insinuation of corruption being dropped because of the key witness going missing. Mm. So, that, you know, you suddenly start to realize that both Jim Gordon is entering into this real world where there's a lot of questions about the people who police the neighborhoods and the city yeah. and, and Batman returning to uh, a city which. In a sense, that's not a surprise for him. He feels now is his time to come back and do something about that. One of the things quite early on in the movie, and it's just really to say that the movie is split up into different dates, so it almost takes a, a full year. So yeah. it's a structure and, that they'll use in a couple of a couple of the Batman comic books. Some of the, some of the yeah, really exactly. interesting ones that that we'll probably cover in future. Um, but at this stage, Batman, and I think it's on the timeline of February the fourth. Still, if I'm right, just before Feb twelfth, is that for Batman, it's not about healing and it's not about closure. But I'm not ready yet. So the question is, what is it about? Mm-hmm. Is it about vengeance, pure and simple what's, vengeance? What's he going to do? Or, yeah. or retribution for what happened? Mm-hmm. There's something. He's got the skills. He he's has a, the money. and the tree. And, and, yeah, and the resources. Yeah, yeah he, he kicks down a tree. <laughs> down I mean, a tree. That's pretty, like, pretty cool. <laughs> so he, he's got the skills. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> um, there's something there in his mind that he says... I'm still not ready to, to do what I feel I need to do. Mm-hmm. You see Bruce taking his first step into the world of the future Batman, his first step at, at seeing what he's going to do. So he, he puts his first costume on, which is interesting, because yeah. it's the smallest costume you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Not in a skimpy way. Um, <laughs> smallest costume you could possibly imagine. It is what he says in his in his internal monologue, is that if you give someone a piece to concentrate on, they'll forget all your details. So he puts on a scar. On yeah, face. and he, he wears a beanie hat, and mm. he heads down to sort of prostitute row essentially yeah. uh, which is another Frank Such Miller trait, kind yeah. of little trait that yeah. seediness even just Sin, Sin City you'd think yeah. um, it, it reminded me of absolutely reminded me of Girl Town from Sin City where uh, where all the characters all the all the kind of female hard ass characters live you yeah. know there is a pimp for want of a better word but the women are definitely in control in that area of town. Really just gave me that kind of feeling. Exactly, but Bruce has a shocking night. First of all, it's like his costume looks so like the Vice Squad that he gets called out. Immediately, he gets into a punch-up with the pimp. Mm-hmm. He gets knifed by Kelly. Um, yeah, so Kelly is, is, yeah. Kelly is Selena's um, sort of friend. Selena uh, Kyle's young friend. Yeah. Young friend, and they kind of work together. He gets knifed by her, and it's your first introduction to Selena. Mm-hmm. She, out of the window, comes down and goes, you know, what the hell's going on? We've paid up uh, to Vice. 
what are they snooping around for, and gets involved. And essentially the first meeting of Bruce Wayne and Selina Kyle yeah. by way of fists and high kicks, really. Yeah. Selina Kyle in this version is definitely in her mid-twenties. Bruce is definitely in his yeah, yeah. early twenties, maybe. Definitely, definitely maybe. Um, Jim Gordon is, you know, young thirties, maybe. They're much later age groups than we're going to see um, yeah. in a TV show. But they're all, this is all their first experiences and first meetings. <clears throat> if... Having a punch-up, getting stabbed, having a punch-up again with Selena Kyle isn't mm-hmm. bad enough. The cops arrive, and That's he right. gets shot. Mm-hmm. And they actually arrest him. It's, it's that point where you feel it could have finished before it began, if this was reality. I'm talking about reality now, rather than <laughs> pretend that, you know, if someone wanted to be a Batman, his cover could have been blown, but they don't identify him at all and he ends up getting taken away in a police car which ends up then getting blown up but it is not a good evening for Bruce Wayne yeah but there is a very important moment yeah. in there for Bruce so Bruce in the back of the car the police that have taken him away start joking about the fact that they've caught another one of these crazy mental patients essentially from a former war they get attacked the car blows up and Bruce saves them yeah he doesn't let them die yeah and that is that is a fundamental part of, of the Batman. Bruce Wayne character and, and Batman. And Batman. Yeah. He says e- even corrupt cops have families mm-hmm. and he saves them. Yeah. It's not only Bruce. Is it a parallel between the two these two characters? Because at the same time then you have Jim Gordon. He's not having a particularly good evening as well. He's mm-hmm. just finished work. So you've done a nine to five. Yeah. Or a nine to nine. Or a nine to, to nine. Yeah. You head down to your car there's a group of five people decide to take a swing at him. Mm-hmm. He gets involved in a fight in the basement, but the thing is, he hears, the boys can count on you now, can't they, Jimmy? And Jim knows who it is. So they're all masked up. They're in black. They've got a balaclava on. Mm-hmm. They've got baseball bats, and they're beating and kicking and hitting the crap out of him. Mm. Flash says... We can count on you now, can't we, Jimmy? Yeah. Why wear the mask? Yeah. <laughs> and he, he, from that point, Jim Gordon knows that Flass was was involved. Yeah, and he knows he's on the outside too. He knows this on. is a club. He knows that the police department is essentially a club. Not he, like a baseball bat. Not like a not that type of club. No. <laughs> right. Or like a penguin's biscuit. But <laughs> it's 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 a, a club, and it's one that you have to be a member of if you're going to get anywhere in that club. And it brings us then into a really interesting part of the story of Jim Gordon, where he goes and gets revenge on Flass. Mm. It's kind of interesting when you move further along in the story because he does what Batman is trying to do, which is get revenge or vengeance. Jim Gordon is trying to stop him. It's been years since I had to take out a Green Beret. Even so, he deserves a handicap. Jim Gordon follows Flass out to a house where he's got a card he's got poker game. game on. Yeah, yeah, he's got a poker game uh, with with some of the police department. He crashes him off the road. This is a feeling of justified revenge. He's threatened Jim Gordon in the car park. Threatens his wife and their unborn kid. It's justified revenge, and actually, it's pretty brutal. Jim Gordon just goes for it, and it's repeated. 
punching and you could argue vigilante behavior which is where he tries to stop or he thinks that batman is doing later on in, in, in the movie or in, and in the years to come yeah absolutely you know <laughs> and he, he finishes with the line of stay away from barbara and my unborn child mm-hmm. he knows that underneath flas is that bully element of he's not going to report it because yeah. he's being humiliated i mean yeah. he gets it kicked out of him Absolutely. big time. Yeah. And the, the internal monologue comes back and he, he already is predicting that Flass is going to say it was six people that jumped him and beat him to, to a pulp because he couldn't ever admit that it was only one person, especially someone like Jim. Yeah. And then we go back to uh, back to Bruce's story. Bruce sitting at home with a bell beside him where he could ring for Alfred. He's come back from having rescued the cops and uh-huh. escaping the burning vehicle. Mm-hmm. And he sat there and this now comes into... The part where I think it's quite... From from the animated movie, you don't get the sense that maybe he's hallucinating or mm. anything. It's almost like a hallucination that's happening. It's, yeah. it, it's kind of slightly weird. I think you get the idea that that's happening more so from the graphic novel. And yeah. it's a very Frank Miller type of thing to do as well. It, it looks very like he's he's released the artist to uh, to do what they want to do with the scene. Yeah, definitely. Um, in the comic, or the graphic novel. Yeah, uh, definitely see it. I suppose you've got Bruce. He's at home. He's shot. He's beaten. He's broken. He's sweating. He's close to death by the look of it. He's close yeah. to giving up anyway, uh, at the very least. He calls out the fact that he has a bell beside him which he could ring and Alfred could come in and tend to his wounds. And you get a flashback. Um, you get and- the anime flashback, which is my favorite piece of the animation, I must say. Yeah. The flashback to the death of Bruce's parents, which is told in a very anime style. It seems different to the rest of the film. Um, yeah. Yeah. One of the pieces that I that I feel about, about the animated film is that it feel, feels like a motion comic, which is essentially where you take the panels of a comic book and put them up on screen Without much background animation, the only the character will be moving though. It won't be much going on in the background. Yeah, the backgrounds uh, are relatively static and yeah. and so on. And it doesn't yeah. look like it doesn't look like the year one comic book. There's a very distinct style between the two. Yeah. But this flashback sequence of Bruce's is probably the standout moment of of the animation itself for the, for this film. Yeah. Really so you get it. the flashback, and and maybe it's that idea that he thinks he's close to death. He has been punched, shot, involved in a car crash. He's dragged himself back to Wayne Manor. He's collapsed in a chair mm-hmm. and he has an hallucination. Uh, he may be in and out of consciousness. He has a flashback to his dead parents. Before you know it, the answer to his previous questions of, I have the resources, I have the skill, there is something else that I need, comes in the way of a bat crashing through the, the windows of Wayne Manor, sitting atop a bust of his dead father mm-hmm. screeching at him and the realization this is what i now need to do and i think that certainly draws from the nolan films as well just as a point of reference mm-hmm. that idea i know now that i have to have a symbol to intimidate yeah. or for my vision of what i need to do in order to honor my dead absolutely parents. and drive fear into the hearts of the of the criminals yeah. of gotham yeah or even whether it's the in his mind, it is his father answering him back via this bat. Because I think he talks about, I now know, you've told me what I must do, I now know what I must do, yeah. and kind of thing. And again, I definitely feel that's a Frank Miller touch. There's a certain psychosis to a lot of Frank Miller's characters that he that he's created. There's a certain unusual psychological behavior that they have that I think Frank Miller really brought to the to the, to the Bruce Wayne part here. 
that probably isn't evidence in many other graphic novels that have been written. He is slightly psychotic. He's yeah. You know, he does. He is a vigilante. He feels he's totally justified. Twelve years after the death of his parents, taking out that vengeance on every criminal in the city. So it's an interesting piece that Frank Miller definitely brought on board to the character. That's one of the main points within the film, and it then moves on, and we now come to a point where in the movie it says it's April the 4th. There's a few short, sharp dates, April 4th, April 5th, April 6th, and you get introduced to Brendan, the SWAT team officer. This kind of reinforces the extent of corruption and the infiltration of corruption of the mob into the GCPD. Then we see this hostage situation playing out uh, that Jim Gordon has been asked to look over. You have Brandon then, who's the SWAT team guy, who is coming in essentially all guns blazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm just who cares? Um, it may be innocent kids up in in the room being held by I think sort of a criminal, someone from Arkham Asylum. Yeah, uh, but it doesn't matter. Just go in, all guns blazing. He's very and, much an ask a shoot first, ask question yeah. kind of guy. And Jim yeah. Gordon is like, you know, you just chill the jets, calm mm-hmm. down, and goes in and, and recovers this hostage situation uh, and saves the kids. And ultimately gets then, starts to get this good press. So the Gotham Gazette reports are about Jim Gordon and the success of him saving these the, these children. And, it kind and of finally finished. doing some police work. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And finally, after however long he's been in, like a good couple of months mm-hmm. getting down a bit of good police procedural yeah. <laughs> um, and then and it kind of skips forward then with April 5th and there's a it's just a series of uh, of animation where you kind of it's increasingly getting the impression from discussions between the Commissioner Loeb and, and this Brandon guy I think he's captain in the SWAT team where you know they're viewing Jim Gordon as increasingly as a threat mm-hmm. he's being viewed as kind of outside of this club or the corrupt setup and he's not really playing ball and then you kind of move into april 6th you get one of these really good monologues these uh jim gordon monologues that are kind of i think there's two or three of them spaced mm. throughout the the movie and and it's really good it's almost a bit of a it's a bit of a breather from the animation and you know he he's kind of goes i hate the job i hate the gun but I keep practicing. It's like it's in his blood. He just does it, but he doesn't necessarily enjoy it as such. I hate the job. I hate the gun. But I keep practicing. How did I let this happen? To bring an innocent child to life in a city without hope. That's a really depressing sentiment. Absolutely. It's maybe just that realization of... What's he let himself in for? What's he letting his family in for? Exactly, yeah. But it's one of the fascinating things, like, you know, I've I've listened to a lot of of interviews with with Batman authors um, and authors of the comic books. And one of the things they talk about, the pleasure of writing Batman is writing his internal monologue and writing the internal monologue of that character because you don't get to know who Batman is a lot. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of interaction with other characters. He doesn't have a lot of conversations with other characters. And one of the things that Frank Miller is doing here is also giving that internal monologue to Jim Gordon. So you get to know that character a lot better. Um, it's, fa- it's it's really great that they're able to bring that into him. Yeah, well. one of the interesting things is that that's captured very well in this movie. Mm. You don't really get an awful lot of 
Bruce Wayne and a a sense of Bruce Wayne or a sense of Batman. Mm. Like, I mean, what I mean by that is you get a sense of what Batman's trying to do and you recognize that and you understand that. It's like a person in school or a friend who you know to a certain extent and then beyond that it doesn't go any further and you get that impression quite quite uh, quite well. Yeah, I think to speak back to the recreation of the character and, and you know, the, the recreating all of the DC characters at the time in, in the early 80s and mid-80s, they had said that they, didn't want to, they didn't want to recreate Batman. They liked his origin story. They just wanted to flesh out a bit more. And I love the idea that Frank Miller's decision was, well, let's flesh out the rest of the universe of Gotham, the, the characters around Batman. Yeah. You know, um, which gives the character gives understanding the exactly, and um, and it's interesting with this monologue. Then you actually get the first talk from Jim Gordon of this, in quotes, a giant bat. So mm-hmm. it's the bat has been spotted. Yeah, and you move to this first interaction of Bruce Wayne in his cape and cowl and his first foray onto the streets, mm. just dealing with some low level. Kind of yeah, people robbing a TV. Criminal, people yeah. robbing a TV. Basically, it's it's out comes Batman. Can you imagine? Like, you know, yeah, it's, it's not the mobs. It's not yeah. the mobs. It's not a flamboyant villain. It's not a. It's almost like a, a bunch of kids actually going mm. and just doing sort of something they know is naughty and they shouldn't be doing. But it's like a dare almost. Yeah, it's robbing a TV is still pretty. Yeah, 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 well that's true. Yeah, yeah. and um, you, you you see this interaction play out, and even though these aren't the most sophisticated criminals. He's lucky to beat them down, and he says it afterwards, I'm a lucky amateur. He's almost killed twice, isn't he? He almost almost gets knocked off a balcony uh, and almost kills one of the kids by mistake again. And then, yeah, as you say, he ends it with lucky amateur. God, how did I get away with that guy? Exactly. And with the introduction then of the Batman being spotted and and straight from the comic, but you get these three panes of the bat and so on, and it reminds me again of Nolan where you've got Bigfoot up on the thing about, well, who is this guy? And they've got a picture of a bat and so on. But not only do you get introduced to Batman, it's the first sighting of Batman, but then we get introduced then to uh, Detective Sarah Essen. Mm. And you she's know, a Gothamite. She's from Gotham, right? In the in this storyline, she's 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 a local who's being promoted in the yeah. department, but none of the rest of the department have seen her as. And she's a sexy. Detective. And she's, she gets yeah. wolf whistles. She's <laughs> being wolf whistled by. Does that mean she's all sexy, the, or does that mean that the, the guys are are just? It doesn't happen in my workplace, <laughs> right. put it that way, <laughs> you know, and it shouldn't and it just wouldn't. But yeah. uh, it's like, you know, they're, they're much chilled back, much kind of early 80s kind of, uh, you know, uh, employment laws, I think, going on in, in <laughs> I Gotham. Think so. I think it's pretty, it's, pretty relaxed um, around Bruce Corrupt. Yeah. yeah, and you, you start to hear that 70 assaults have been reported and they actually seem to think that he's a mob boss. As we talked about earlier. Jim always expected that Flash was going to blame his uh, his beatdown on a group of people. This is Flash's perfect opportunity. He blames it on the Batman and says, oh, it was Batman that got me. It was Batman that attacked me and beat me up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it, Flash is in crutches and he's got a yeah. neck brace on. So he, he's still suffering from, that's how badly Jim Gordon like, smacked seven bells of whatever (laughs) I don't even know seven rings a bell yeah something Uh, like that that's kind of left there that you know the cops and the police are starting to get interested in this idea that there's someone out there in a costume and 
is a bat or it looks like a bat and so on. He works at night and so yeah. on. And I have to say, I, you know, I know you mentioned it, but I love the drawings in the background of the artist's impressions of Batman. It's something that something that's kind of carried through for years of the uh, when people are trying to find the bat. You know, there's a picture of a man with bat wings. There's, you know, a picture of a feral bat with human <laughs> legs. There's, and then there's, you know, something resembling a guy in a suit. You know, but it is very, uh, it's very different. It's very, it's, very, it's, it's, very, it's a completely differing perspective on what they've seen, and that's always yeah. been the always been the thing with Batman is to make sure he leaves them with an indelible image, but they might not be sure what it is. Then there's a jump there, and that's to May nineteenth, mm-hmm. and it's kind of one of the first reveals. Actually, I mean, it's hinted at obviously, and I don't think it's any great surprise or reveal. You suddenly realise the level of the corruption mm. and at what level it reaches within public office in Gotham. When you suddenly move to the mobster, the Roman, Carmine Falcone, yeah. having a dinner party and it's guess who's come to dinner and there is... The police commissioner. Yeah, Commissioner Loeb is right there. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it highlights the just the level of corruption that's occurred. Yeah. And they're having this conversation where there's this Batman and he's costing them money. You getting... Yeah, and I think the impression that's given is it's not just it's not just Commissioner Loeb that's there. It's not just the Falcone family that's there. It's not just the mobsters. It's also the elite of Gotham. This mm-hmm. is their dinner table that they that they regularly meet at. It's not, you know, it's not a special request that Loeb is going to be there for this particular dinner. It's something that they regularly meet and, and provides the corruption of Gotham at the highest level, essentially. Exactly, and it becomes, and I, I think within within the graphic novel, it, it's war is declared. Mm-hmm. And you have immediately Batman making a statement to these people, the elite of Gotham, which is that none of you are safe. Exactly. You you have for too long brought the city down, the people of the city, the good people of the city down, and this has to stop. And you become clear on the intention of what Batman is, is about, that his idea is about not revenging specifically his mum and dad, mm-hmm. but it's trying to honour the memory of what they tried to do from a philanthropic point of view. Absolutely. Um, and that these people are eroding and undermining that through corruption, backhands, yeah. and an unequal playing field. Absolutely. And that has to stop. And none of you are safe. Exactly. It's very much the you think you're above the law. I am the law. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am the new law in Gotham. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, this then doesn't go down was, very well. That was a bit, that was a bit judge dread. <laughs> that there, was so. very judge dread. Um, but, but yeah, very, very much that he won't turn a blind eye to to the politicians. He won't turn a blind eye to the elite. And this is something that was picked up by um, by Chris Nolan and given uh, given to some of the characters in Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, um, it was very much the idea of the elite versus the poor. Um, the elite versus the the downtrodden, uh, if you yeah. will, who eventually rise and take over take over Gotham. So this is you know another, exactly. another touch point for him. And who anyway likes then to have their five course dinner interrupted by <laughs> a light show, smoke show, and and a threatening voice? Yeah. Um, and in which case <laughs> then you have in very quick succession this idea that you know Jim Gordon has given them this task by the commissioner to track down the bat, find out who he is, and to bring him into custody, or 
maybe to actually just kill him yeah. and get rid of him yeah. full stop. And you move to this really wonderful then scene of an attempt to entrap the the, the, the Batman uh, where you just get this voiceover of Batman saying yeah. she she walks like a lady, she screams like someone being robbed, yeah, and she she, runs. Knows, she knows how to scream. Yeah, yeah, she knows how to scream, and that you know I'm not falling for it basically. Yeah. And it, it's a great little scene actually, which is is kind of it's really Riley kind of done, I think. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> like I, I think it's just a really nice little point within the movie. Yeah, where um, Aston, where Aston is pretending to be yeah you know, a, a girl that's about to be beaten or raped or something yeah it's... and and then you kind of so that's really interesting where you know they're trying all their little tricks and yeah. batman is clued in on this and then you you get a bit more of an idea then it kind of jumps to june the 5th and you about this tit for tat kind mm. of going on so Falcone's tied up on on his bed and his rolls royce has gone and it's been dumped <laughs> in the river uh-huh. and obviously again I've, you've spoiled my dinner party. Mm-hmm. You've nicked my motor, and <laughs> he's tied up like a turkey. You know, trussed up like a turkey um, on his bed. So we 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 start to get this idea that the the mobsters and their influence within the police do not want this guy around because he's making them look bad, and mm-hmm. he needs to get needs to get removed yeah. from the equation. And they just don't seem to be able to do anything about it. No. Yeah. And we then get to get acquainted very briefly, and it's only a brief appearance, really, mm. and he, he doesn't appear anywhere else, but you suddenly come into Harvey Dent. Yeah. And primarily because Jim Gordon is checking him out to see whether he is a suspect uh, with regards to being the Batman. That's as far as it kind of really goes with yeah. Harvey Dent. But you It's really... the only introduction to the White Knight of Gotham. But yeah. but again, it's 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 probably something, you know, that that's been mentioned in various other sources that that you know, Harvey Dent is seen as a potential Batman because of his uh, because of his thoughts about the society of Gotham and the fact that he wants to clean it up quite a lot, you know. But it's the first meeting of, of Batman and Harvey Dent. Then Detective Essen is a smart cookie, mm-hmm. we find out. We find out that she really not only looks good, she's got, you know, her flowing hair and so on, but she's got a lot of brains, <laughs> um, you right. know. And she links... Bruce Wayne to Batman. Mm-hmm. Her and Jim Gordon are in the car. You know, they're talking about Dent, whether Dent is Batman, whether yeah, he, and, and he the, Batman. And then they start saying, "Well, this guy will need a lot of money. Yeah. Um, his parents were killed. There's a motive behind this." So the the, the the nub of this idea from Detective Essen that Bruce Wayne could potentially be Batman. Mm-hmm. So she's a clever cookie. And it's very much it's very much it comes across that because she's the local girl, she knows about Bruce. She knows that he's the he's the heir to a fortune. She knows he has the money because of that. And Jim wouldn't know that because of it. He's out of town, you know. Exactly. Uh, they see this van out of control. It's careering towards a, uh, an old lady with a shop pushing a shopping trolley. And um, Jim Gordon tries to, <laughs> yeah, or a hobo, <laughs> yeah. Um, or a yeah. Um, Jim again tries to to. To rectify that and save save the day, and mm-hmm. again, I think it's one of the interesting sort of parallels between Jim Gordon and Bruce Wayne slash the Batman is that that they're both trying to do good. You have yeah. this both idea of them coming to for the first time or returning to Gotham and understanding what it's about, but then this idea of at least you know trying to do a job 
to help and make things better. Um, and it ends up with Batman saving the old lady from the oncoming truck, plowing into her. Essen essentially holds a gun up to the Batman, but the cat that comes in and mm. meows distracts Essen. Yeah. Batman managed to knock the gun away and to escape down an alley as police support arrive. Yeah. And, and the, move... cat, the cats appeared a couple of times during Yeah, the... and this is a really yeah. interesting thematic motif of this cat, which appears at the hostage situation that Jim Gordon resolves mm-hmm. earlier on. Uh, this cat becomes the uh, reason for Batman essentially escaping Detective Essen. Mm-hmm. And then the cat then appears in then the hostage situation where Batman is the hostage surrounded by the police yeah. and the SWAT team after this escape from Essen appears within there. And it, it's an interesting link and a thematic link, I think, between the Batman and Catwoman. Absolutely. Yeah. Because almost just after that, you do get Selina indicating that they're going to get out of their current line of work, which is essentially prostitution. We're going to move on to another line of work yeah. as she pulls out the cat suit. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a really interesting little thematic touch, I think, that Frank Miller runs through this story um, and is captured by, by the, the animation. But you end up with Batman holed up then in this derelict house and Brandon pops up again. The SWAT team. And, and the SWAT <laughs> team. There's Commissioner Loeb in a helicopter. And I mean... I don't think the police in any other city would do this. Mm-hmm. But a firebomb is dropped onto the house. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of like, you know, there's current debates about whether water cannons should be used. <laughs> and, you know, okay. This was the 80s, though. Yeah, I know this was the 80s, but it wasn't that bad. You remember I, the Thatcher riots? Yeah, but I don't think <laughs> firebombs, I mean, maybe the, she decided not to do it. Maybe. But, um, you know. Uh, maybe it was the cult. They chuck a firebomb onto the building, and then the SWAT team uh, goes in, and it's basically Commissioner Loeb's sort of shouting through the the comlink to to Brandon I want a corpse mm-hmm. like it's gone way beyond tit for tat it's yeah. like we want this guy dead he's making us look seriously bad and affecting our business interests mm-hmm. you know Batman picks off the SWAT team one yeah. by one. Yeah, and then, yeah, it's really, really cool. <laughs> the dynamicness of the of the animation is really good here, where it's uh, where Batman is trying is trying his best at a very early stage in his career. At this stage, you know, uh, trying his best to pick off each individual member of the of the SWAT team. He gets caught very quickly. He then hides. He gets another one or two of them, and then there's an all out an all out brawl essentially between. The uh, the SWAT team and Batman. You know, he gradually takes them down one by one, um, and then he he gets gets introduced. He gets introduced to the bat sonar. Yeah, yeah, that that attracts the bats. And this was used in Batman Begins by Nolan, and that essentially helps him to escape. But before that, Brandon gets punched out of one of the boarded up windows, Mm -hmm. and Jim Gordon essentially says because. There's a crowd developed at this stage, and it says, we've made a hero out of him. The bats come from the sonar, and this allows Batman to then escape from the building after biting 
all the people there that were cheering him on. You get the line, we've made a hero out of him. Next thing, they all need tetanus injections mm-hmm. because they've been bitten by a load of rabid, kind of like disgusting bats, bats. and so on. Disgusting um, bats. You know, um, so <laughs> kind of an interesting thing because you, you, you see that this war that has been established has gone beyond simply arresting him. They want him taken out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's what's going to happen. But they don't get the opportunity. And as we get into the final section of the film, it's all about it's all about Gordon and his relationships with Barbara, who's about to give birth to his first son, and with Sarah S. and his his compatriot, the person who's who's been helping him investigate the Batman and helping him work on on the crime families. They go for coffee um, after yeah, work in Hopper's Bar, which is a reference, obviously, to Edward Hopper, mm-hmm. um, and kind of fits in with exactly that. Like yeah, the, yeah, it, uh, the uh, Night Owls picture. Mm-hmm. Over coffee, certainly for colleagues in such a pressurized environment, it's it's only their colleagues that can understand what it is they have to face day in, day out. They make that connection. Mind if I ask you a personal question? I know why I'm here, but what are you doing here? In Gotham, I mean. It's a long, sordid story. The bullet points are police corruption, a cop who wanted to believe the system works, and one incredibly bad decision. There's a reason everyone hates internal affairs. They dangle the carrot of integrity and honesty, but at the end of the day, when you take down another cop, they treat you like any other low-life scumbag. It also begins to to escalate. They kiss. You get another one of these monologues, which is really yeah. You very you very good. much yeah, you very much see the toll that it starts to take on Jim. You know who who has been the central kind of moral ground within within the police force. And then suddenly he's thrust himself into the position of an adulterer. Yeah, I mean, there's this wonderful image where Barbara's fast asleep on the bed at night. She's heavily pregnant at this stage. Jim is sat up in bed in the middle of the night and he starts to have this this internal monologue goes on where you get to, to view his thoughts. And I mean, you know, Brian Cranston plays this complex character really well Mm -hmm. he's he's an anti-hero in a sense because you know he's an adulterator an adulterer sorry um you know he he's kind of done vengeance on a a fellow cop but he also has an ethical center that surrounds the job but he Mm -hmm. you know it begins to turn apart i must come clean with barbara and then it's like immediately his thoughts flip to i can't stop thinking about the batman it has this internal sort of conflict within him then about his job he's just kind of been thinking about how he's cheating on his wife with his colleague, and then it's immediately back to the job. And I can't stop thinking about her. Like I can't stop thinking about this Batman. He's a criminal. I'm a cop. It's as simple as that. But I'm a cop in a city that uses its cops like hired killers. Um, Really, really good line, and really sums up that conflict between Jim's personal and professional life you kind of see this escalation of, of the affair with with Essen from from there until they're back in hoppers and jim gordon breaks the affair off mm-hmm. and captain Essen says you know would you be doing this if your wife wasn't pregnant yeah that's a really interesting point because in the comic sarah Essen is jim gordon's wife mm-hmm. um, and barbara is his ex-wife yeah so i mean that sexual tension or, or that relationship that occurs in these pages has shaped the story of Jim Gordon and essentially his love life within the Gotham universe yeah. and the Batman universe 
quite strongly. Absolutely. There's a really yeah, sort so of it's... emotional, deep emotional uh, sort of relationship that's developed here. But ultimately, Sarah Essen is requesting a transfer. Yeah. Um, and you don't see her um, from from then on uh, within the story. Yeah. So I suppose back to the back to the, the fundamental part of the story, you know. Um, so the interesting one here, Flass, uh, who we haven't talked about for a while, Flass is uh, is involved in a criminal act, um, is caught in the middle of it and arrested for his participation. One of the other gang members, essentially one of Falcone's gang, is caught and doesn't want to give any kind of testimony. Uh, is advised by his lawyer that they'll be able to get him off, but Batman intervenes. Yeah, Batman intervenes in order to get the confession mm-hmm. out of the the criminal. Yeah. He essentially chucks him through a coffee table, and yeah. Bosch, you have Flash taken down. Flash taken down. Mm. Uh, he gives the confession to 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 the lawyer, and yeah. um, and then you get that intersection of Jim Gordon's professional and private life once again, mm-hmm. where it's used as leverage, and mm-hmm. um, by Commissioner Loeb. And Brandon, yeah, essentially, who know that who know how much Flash know about them, you know, and know yeah. about their situation. So, I mean, it suddenly it suddenly becomes crucial that Jim Gordon is neutralized in some way, mm-hmm. and it involves essentially blackmail. And Commissioner Lowe pulls out this paper. It's almost taunting Jim Gordon, saying, "You know, you've become a bit of a celebrity. You know, you're on the front of this newspaper." And he pulls the newspaper away, and underneath there's a picture of him kissing Sarah, Sarah Essen. Yeah, yeah. And he says, "You know, does your pregnant wife want to know about this?" And mm. it then has the you know this moment where you see that Jim Gordon's conscience he knows he must tell his wife, but all of a sudden they go off to to interview Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah. Um, to to see whether. You know, he again still may be Batman. There's still that inkling there, mm-hmm. and it ultimately comes away with Barbara. Uh, Barbara essentially says he's a sleazy, womanizing scumbag. He's a pig. Yeah, uh, and um, or at least he acts like. Yeah, that. or at least he acts like that. Yeah, and that's the impetus. That mm-hmm. those few words, the impetus, were Jim Gordon comes clean to to his pregnant wife and confesses. Uh, about to the affair, yeah. yeah, to the affair, and and then you get the birth of of their kid, and and then it starts to move quite quickly towards the end because Absolutely. this becomes then the next level of leverage for yeah. for Commissioner Loeb and Brandon to essentially try and get Jim Gordon to 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 stump pull the investigation into Flass. But internal affairs are doing. Yeah, but there's a good little tête-à-tête right in the middle of it, where uh, right in the middle of the situation, just as a kind of a side story about about Catwoman, where she's starting to go out on her on her rampage and, and stealing from uh, stealing from Commissioner Loeb to begin with, starts stealing from Falcone, but every time she goes to steal, everybody just assumes that the costume firstly is Batman, and then that she's Batman's assistant. Which drives her up the wall, I suppose. <laughs> you know, to think that she's planned all these crimes and Blackman's getting the credit for them, I suppose. So yeah, it, I um, mean, it, what well, it, it starts off where she's it's blamed on the Batman, yeah, um, and then she faces Carmine Falcone and scratches him across the face, and again she's an assistant of the Batman, yeah, and this really begins to kind of grate with her about you know that moment at Carmine Falcone's. Uh, where he is essentially setting up the guy to kidnap Barbara Gordon 
and her newborn baby to use as leverage against Jim Gordon. Batman says, thanks, you've just ruined my investigation in terms and in terms of like surveillance of Carmine Falcone. Mm-hmm. And exactly. that ultimately is the last then we see of, of, um, of Catwoman, of yeah. Catwoman yeah. In, in the movie. Absolutely. Then it leads on to Gordon being set up by Falcone's men uh, and by Commissioner Loeb. Gordon arrives to a, a parking lot again, um, much like at the beginning of the film when he's uh, when he's attacked and set upon by the uh, by the GCPD agents that that he isn't following. Yet this time it's it's that the Falcone's men have uh, his newborn son and his wife held captive, and he has to make the decision whether he lets them go, taking his wife and son with them, or whether he takes action then and there. And Jim realizes that even if he lets them go, his his wife and child are dead. So he takes the action to uh, to attack Falcone's men, but they still take away his son. They manage to escape the parking lots, but Bruce Wayne is there on a bike. And that's the thing. That, yeah. that is part yeah. actually. That's part of the story. I'm kind of like, okay, is he? So he has been sort of mounting this surveillance operation, and he's mm. there, and he must just be there in the background. And then yeah. he he comes up and actually. Uh, Jim Gordon then just knocks him off the bike, takes the bike, and he, chases yeah, after. Jim, Jim thinks it's one of it's one of Falcone's men. Yeah. But then they have the worst scene of transfer from a comic book to a film. Uh, and generally, honestly, generally, I think the film is is pretty good in doing in doing what they did. But they have the worst scene right here, where uh, where Bruce is knocked off the bike by uh, by Gordon, gets up with no with no bike helmet on, with no mask, with no Batman gear. And talks to Barbara, but looks as if he has his face painted black so that she can't see who it is. Yeah. But it's not that. It's apparently the lights above that are, are obscuring his face when she's standing there staring directly into it. Um, It's completely unbelievable in, in terms of everything else that's gone on in the story is quite well done. But it's totally unbelievable that a woman could be standing directly in front of him with the lights above his head and could not see his face. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a, it, it's a shame that it it's kind of transferred like that yeah, yeah. um i i suppose but i mean it it is w- what it is and i mean ultimately it leads to a chase down yeah. um to a, a bridge over the river mm-hmm. and gordon then shoots the tires out from underneath the henchman's car kills one of the hench- the henchmen who's driving the car but the henchman holding uh, his son is still alive yeah. the mobsters and the the public officials who are as corrupt and bent as anything, you know, are scrambling to to take down essentially an ethical cop who mm-hmm. is willing to investigate corruption within the department of, of the GCPD. And it's the meeting of that with what Batman is trying to do, which is essentially to clean up the streets, yeah. where in some cases the police have been hamstrung, really, uh, because they're investigating themselves. Yeah. At least to the point where Batman saves the child of the guy who he's going to work with in further cleaning up the streets of Gotham. Mm-hmm. And you get this really like great scene where Batman is diving down to try and, and catch, yeah, catch the baby before he hits uh, Bruce, the, the river. Uh, sorry, Jim Stone is, is accidentally uh, dropped off the side of, of the Gotham Bridge and Bruce saves him on the fall as Gordon and the Falcone henchmen are falling as well. And Bruce, Bruce saves him, and, and there's, a, uh, there's a, a great exchange there where essentially Gordon has broken his, uh, broken his glasses and looks up at Bruce in the sunlight with no glasses and says, I'm practically blind wearing these things. 
So is that an indication that Gordon knows who he is, but will keep the secret? Yeah. Is this the start of a relationship, a different relationship than we had in the past with, with Gordon and Batman, where actually Gordon knows exactly who Batman is? Or is Gordon actually blind? <laughs> is he actually unable to see? It's an interesting one. It's a better way than what happens in the car park with Barbara Absolutely. to say, I'm practically blind without my glasses. Mm. Your secret's safe with me because actually you're just a pile of fuzz in my vision. They seem to hit a mud bank from mm-hmm. the bridge and they seem to be perfectly all right. Now, I'm quite convinced that <laughs> if I fell from a bridge that height, I would probably be uh, like a Rubik's Cube. I would be a nice square block or something. <laughs> but apparently, um, they're perfectly all right, except for the henchmen. There is still just the matter of the overall wrapping up of the story. Flass, he's taken notes on everything that, that Loeb has done over the previous years, including time, dates, everything, which ends off taking down Loeb, commis- the commissioner of, of Gotham. Uh, Loeb takes Brandon down with him because he's not going to go down alone. And then we get the reveal that there's someone poisoning the water tanks of Gotham, calling himself the Joker, leading into a new relationship between Jim and his new best friend. I think we can guess who that is. Yeah, and a, and a really good transfer to essentially the Joker. You could even argue then Killing Joke is quite a mm. nice little story to have that fills in that ending of Batman Year One. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So overall, what do you think of the uh, what do you think of the movie? My view is that I would definitely recommend. I think I would recommend it in conjunction with reading the graphic novel because mm-hmm. they are very similar, almost yeah. sort of pain by pain. Yes, there are some aspects of the animated movie that are definitely, you could say, comic booky, such as this idea that they both was you know the baby, Bruce Wayne, Jim Gordon, and Falcone's henchman fall off the bridge, it would appear Falcone's henchman just disappears, but um, the other three obviously survive and seem to be perfectly okay after falling off a suspension bridge. Um, but <laughs> A suspension of belief bridge. Though. But Yeah, it's a suspension of belief bridge, exactly. But, it's but remember, kind of, remember, Falcone's henchman has also just been in a car crash as well. So, well, exactly. You know. He's had a... But, <laughs> He's a bad day. But it's, it is, it, it, it's a, a comic book story. Okay, those little quibbles, you only introduced to Selina Kyle. The focus of this story is very much on Jim Gordon, actually. I even think so more than the Batman. For that, I think, in relation to Gotham TV show, even, it's a recommend because you get to see Jim Gordon and his relationship with people within the police department or how he tackles corruption, which might be quite informative for the TV show. So, if we're doing, are we doing it out of five or are we doing it out of ten? I think um, we're doing it out of five. Do it out of five? five. I would but you can use say 3.5 sheriff stars Ooh. out of five, two, four. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm kind of Somewhere. torn. I would, I would say four sheriff stars out of five, <laughs> but maybe it's three and a half, three, three and a half. Okay, okay. Interesting. But to me, uh, that's a recommend, as, yeah. <laughs> um, as, as they you say. would say. Yeah. For me, overall, it comes down to choice. Um, if you're a comic book reader and you haven't read uh, Batman Year One, read it, go buy it, go get it. Um, the animated film is 
is fine, is good. Um, but you get to pour over the panels a lot more when you're reading the comic book. There's not a huge amount of difference in the story, but there's there's the, the, the special thing about a comic is that you get to put your own impression and your own voices on the characters, your own your own ideas on the characters. You know, it, it, they they do a good job uh, of of translating this. But for me, um, I, I would be a little lower in rating it. I'd probably be you know a, a three point one, three point two kind of kind of review. Still a recommend. Still worth watching. If you want to just catch up on a good story about Jim Gordon, because it is about Jim Gordon with a little bit of of uh, the creation of the Batman yeah. and the creation of Catwoman, but overall, I do feel it's a little bit a little bit like a, as I said, a motion comic where there's not a huge amount of the animation to specifically go and watch it for the animation. Go read the book. Yeah, my and just one final thing is Brian Cranston brings an awful lot to jim gordon i, I totally mean agree. it's a really you know he essentially jim gordon in this is a bit of an anti-hero yes he's a hero at the end of the day but there are things along the way where you know it's not that straight break between black and white or mm. good and evil he he's a complex character and the same way that ben mckenzie does actually with bruce wayne and batman mm. i suppose the main thing is is that certainly you're much more familiar with that break was with Jim Gordon, I think you knew him as the police guy who had the ethical moral compass. And this brings out that, yes, he does, but he's not infallible. He's not necessarily an angel. And Brian Cranston does a really good job of doing that, and certainly in those monologues. And I do think as well that Ben McKenzie is, is very good at doing the brooding sense of Batman that we're certainly very much uh, accustomed to. So again, I, I think it still stands. I'd say 3.5 for me, 2.4 mm-hmm. Sheriff Stars. Um, so, yeah. I'm not going to use the Sheriff Stars. I was trying to think of a... Of a uh, is there a... Is I'm trying a, to keep the police thing bat- going Is here. there a Batarang? Maybe three, four Batarangs out of five? Maybe? I'm trying to keep the police <laughs> thing going. Possibly, you know? possibly. Okay, thanks for joining us for our review of Batman Year One. I hope you enjoyed it. I suppose some of the other kind of pieces to talk about are, are just, just how we think this is kind of going to play into the Gotham TV show. There's obviously some kind of template there. You know, there's, there's obviously some of the characters that we have. That, exactly. You know, that are, that are going to play out in a similar way, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like in terms of characters, you know, will Harvey Bullock potentially be a Flash character, yeah, for example? Yeah. Or is Detective Flash still to be cast? Mm. You have a police structure, the, there must be a commissioner, mm-hmm. but we've not had we any indication any casting, as yeah. to any casting regarding a commissioner. Yeah. Will it be kind of someone behind a closed door that you kind of never get to hear about and yeah. maybe is the, the bad guy that you never get to see, you know, mm. the person in the shadows? Or will we get some information over the coming weeks or months that may suggest that someone will be cast for a commissioner role? Yeah. And that would be really interesting to see. Absolutely. But I, I think then moving away from the cast in that sense, it would be just the general feel of the Frank Miller graphic novel mm. and that the animated movie is just this one of sheer corruption that is rife throughout the city mm. at all levels of public office, it being in the pockets of the gangsters. And obviously, casting so far, it's all about gangsters. It's Fish Mooney is a gangster. Yeah. Uh, even Oswald Cobblepot is a you know a low-level mobster within 
um, within Gotham working for Fish Mooney. Mm -hmm. So that idea of is it that Fish Mooney has the influence that stretches out into the GCPD mm -hmm. where Jim Gordon is coming? It's a really interesting thing to see whether that might sort of inform season one, for example, yeah, yeah. Or, or the TV show. The TV show is obviously casting Jim Gordon as a younger actor, a younger character, um, than we see in this book. Um, in this book, there's, there's numerous references to you know, in the past I did, this is the way I would have done it many, many times. Um, whereas it looks like this Jim Gordon isn't going to be a man of that, of as much experience. But overall, I think the, the kind of structure of the Jim Gordon aspect of the story, the structure of the mafia or the uh, criminal element of the story and the structure of the of the police department in the story are things that they can absolutely draw on as inspiration. Yeah, and ultimately... Batman is always seen as the anti-hero. Mm. You know, he's a complex... It, there's These straight-down-the-line motives don't apply to him. You know, is it vengeance? Is it for the good of Gotham? Is it a altruistic thing, or is it for his own personal needs? Mm. And similarly, without Batman, as we discussed in our first episode, how does Gotham work without Batman? Mm. Is it that Jim Gordon, as we reviewed and described from from the animated movie Batman Year One. How will Jim Gordon be viewed? Will he be that anti-hero? Yes, he has an ethical, moral centre, certainly within his work, but what shades of grey are we going to see of Jim Gordon? Will, for example, we know that there's Barbara Keane, we know that there is a Captain Essen, so they are being brought in. Will there be some kind of love triangle going mm. on there where you then also see this less clear-cut Jim Gordon where he has his foibles as well and he isn't just a, a, a straight-down-the-line cop doing good, goes back to the family and so on, or in this case his fiance, and, and that's that. There is more of a debt to that character. Yeah, yeah. No, it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see. This is our first review episode, so I'm delighted you joined us um, for it. Uh, you know, I'm really interested to hear your feedback. Yeah. Again, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed our discussions. We really would like to hear from you about some of your comments and thoughts on Batman Year One. Do you think it might be some kind of reference for Gotham TV show? What kind of things, if you've read the graphic novel or you've looked at the animated movie, you know, what things stand out for you from the movie? What do you like? Maybe what do you not like quite as much? Just remember that we would love to hear from you. We really want you to become a part of this discussion that we have and be a part of the community in relation to the Gotham TV show. With that, you can always connect with us on Facebook, Google Plus and Twitter. Just search for Gotham TV Podcast or you can visit our website at gothamtvpodcast.com. You're more than welcome to, to leave a comment on the website and get in touch. If you want to leave a review, you're more than welcome and we really appreciate the feedback with what we're we're discussing. And maybe even if you want to provide any suggestions, that also would be more than taken on board and we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Um, so next up, we are, we're going to be talking through Gotham Central. This is a, another project that, uh, that looked at Gotham uh, Central PD as the, uh, the, the, I suppose, the focus point of, of a comic series. It was hugely well-received critically, but not very well, I suppose, bought by the public. Uh, 
a, a series created by uh, Brubacher and by Greg Rucka. Uh, we're going to be looking at the first three arcs of the comics, so that takes us up to about issue 10. Get reading, and hopefully we'll talk to you in two weeks' time. So thank you very much for joining us, and just to remember that all three episodes so far are now available on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other good podcasting catcher from Android. Okay, thank you. Thanks very much, guys. Bye.